Welcome to Just Hit Record, where we talk about the life and lives of the ever-growing community of immigrants. Join us as we rant about what it's like to live the reality of the Western world through the eyes of your hosts, Pranay and Sandeep. Welcome back to another episode. On today's episode, uh, we thought we'd talk about pay and um, just, you know, how much maybe we won't discuss, but we might go into more in terms of how much pay matters. And Sandeep, you've actually had quite an experience when it comes to pay in terms of how much it's fluctuated for you. You started off in the US, you've worked different jobs here. I don't I know people who've worked multiple jobs, but the different types of jobs you've worked in the different fields, you're probably the best person to sort of go into um, the types of pay you've received and like how much it's actually mattered, uh, even with your transition from the US to Canada. Yeah, I've uh, unfortunately been through uh, various lifetimes within one with jobs, which is uh, good for the experience, but but yes, um, my pay, uh, you know, just went up and down quite a bit. Uh, my first job, because so I graduated with oil and gas at a time when most people were losing their jobs. Unemployment in the sector was, you know, at a decade high. And so I was lucky to even get a job, but it was a, a field position. And of course, I was uh, somebody on a visa, so most companies wouldn't hire. This company hired me and they said, you know, you're good for three years, so that's all that we can offer you. We won't sponsor you beyond. I'm like, cool. And it's like, this is your pay, which was basically $12.50 an hour, uh, <laughs> which is really sad. But did you know that was low, though, at that time yeah, when you were offered uh, that amount? Yeah. Did you know what you did? You have a number in mind dude, for that type of work? Dude, I mean, come on. But doing during the summer break, uh, my school would end up paying $15 an hour. So $12.50 an hour for somebody with a master's degree. Uh, my first year was like, is this even legal? Because, you know, <laughs> when, when not not legal from like from the company's point of view, but from an immigration point of view, because some of the checkpoints are you know minimum number of hours that you have to work, minimum number of pay that you have to have. Um, in the first year, it had said that you know you could even have an unpaid job. So the fact that I was paid so low, it didn't really matter legally. But I did sometimes wonder how on earth am I going to survive on this. It actually worked out pretty well because I was working on a rig and for that entire year, I've, when you work on a rig, you're not uh, expected to go home at night. They provide you with a hotel. So I was like, all right, if I just work around the year, I'll always just stay in a hotel. I don't have to get an apartment. And that's exactly what I did. I took 11 days off in the entire year, worked every weekend and saved a bunch of money, lived out of my car and the hotels that they provided, that was that. Um, so it was cool, you know, for a 20-something-year-old kid. That, that was fine. Yeah. Um, but $12.50, man, that's, that, that's rough. Uh, in today's world, that's even unimaginable. And I, I don't know why I speak of it as if it was a long time ago. It wasn't that long ago. It was barely like five or six years ago. It seems like a lifetime. 
but while I was yeah. doing that job, uh, I moved to another job which was salaried. Uh, no, and was paying far more uh, by the hour. Uh, almost, you know, you could easily make between 80 to 90k, and it's like a stable job. I was like, okay. But then very soon I started to hate that job because that was not related to oil and gas as much. It was more designing. But the salary was decent. And, you know, I lived in Louisiana. The cost was low. Uh, taxes were okay. 80, 90K, you're, you're, you're good. You know, I was paying 700 bucks for my apartment, which is like a 800 square feet apartment. Mm-hmm. Soon after I left that job, and then <laughs> I moved to Canada where... First off, you take off 30% from your salary because that's just the uh, exchange rate, right? Because a dollar US is equal to a dollar 30 cents Canadian. So already 30% of your value has gone down, right? From your, so if you're making 90K in the US and you're making 90K in Canada, it's not the same. And then salaries are all, anyways, they're lower in terms of just the numbers when you compare to a counterpart in the US. So if an analyst is paid, say, 120, 130, they're paid like 80 over here. 80 Canadian versus 120 US. It's like, mm-hmm. what the fuck? <laughs> How is this making sense? My cost of living is doubling, tripling, but my salary is getting cut by the minute. It made no sense. I even remember that before I moved to Canada, I did a few... Uh, I watched a few YouTube videos and you know the YouTube algorithm is like a devil's trap because YouTube will show you more of what you're looking for. So I looked up you know finances, cost of living and salaries of uh, Canada compared to US. They were all negative and YouTube was like oh you love this shit so I'm just gonna throw everything at you that's negative. And I had a panic attack where I'm like how am I gonna live? It's such an expensive city. I'm in Toronto. It is such an expensive mm-hmm. city and salaries are desolate. It's so bad. Anyways, came here, didn't work for a couple of months, worked a minimum wage job. But the minimum wage was actually much better than the US because the minimum wage here was $15 an hour. Whereas More I, than that twelve fifty that you were getting from a, that I was doing. For, for a full-time <laughs> for a job full-time. with an actual company. Yeah. So I was like, you know, <laughs> this... The, I'm, I'm very confused like what is going on and then uh, I moved from there to uh, another job um, where I was working as an analyst and they lowballed me and they paid like you know like 50,000 Canadian which was like you'll survive I was living in a basement apartment and uh, with a very nice family and a very nice fur family <laughs> with lots of fur babies mm-hmm. uh, I was happy I was content. Was I saving anything? Nada. Nothing. Like, you're going paycheck to paycheck, right? Because taxes are high here. Um, And we'll get to that. Why are they so high? Um, And then finally, in the middle of the pandemic, I finally moved to my current job, which was, you know, way more than, which is probably the highest. I mean, at that point when they hired me, it was an okay salary, pretty much better Mm -hmm. than what I was making the first one. And then over the years, they increased my salary and gave me raises and bonuses. So, so yeah, it's it's been like a yo-yo. And and when we decided to talk about pay, it got me thinking: what is fair? Like, 
if I was confused before the pandemic, I am extremely confused post the pandemic because inflation is so high, and you know pay increases have never kept up with inflation, ever. But now when inflation is sitting at eight five eight point five percent as we talk, mm-hmm. like, are is just one salary even good enough? It today doesn't seem like it is, and I like so the I think your experience is so unique because you've actually you do look at things through the lens of having lived in the U.S. Living in Canada right now, I get it. You're in a yeah. more expensive city. Toronto is way more expensive than Louisiana. Right, that's where <laughs> you started off. Louisiana is cheaper than most places in yeah. other parts of the U.S. too. So you went from one extreme to the to the next, yeah. and you definitely had that lens of looking at you know pay and you know expenses even uh, off you know comparing it to what you had in Louisiana. But I think the the point of whether these salaries are enough today is definitely something that I I don't know a lot of the times because I've also moved from New York State to California and granted the taxes are similar so your pay structure is usually similar if I'd say it's a little higher here because cost of living in California is a little higher compared to the part of New York that I was living in I wasn't living in New York City New York I was in upstate New York so it was a little cheaper not a little significantly cheaper than New York City compared to Manhattan yeah most things are cheaper yeah I was used to paying a thousand dollars in rent for a two-bedroom for a similar space here I'm paying almost double the amount uh, with the base rent and then the other thing they don't tell you about California is you have to pay for your water which I don't know if that's a thing in Canada or in Toronto but it is I was not used to I was not used to that in upstate New York it was like water was just included run the shower as long as you need it yeah. you know as long as the water is hot you keep running it you have no problems here you have to hope and pray that the the water actually heats up in your water heater so that when the shower is on you've got water hot water coming out otherwise you're taking a cold shower because the water <laughs> is not cheap um but stuff like that you know uh they do take that into account when they offer you salaries depending on your location but you know the other thing we talked about uh not that long ago was how the location part of it is starting to matter less when it comes to the job market because so many people are working remotely and are joining companies remotely they've never even set foot in the state that they're joining the company in and um, they might never have to a lot of the jobs are going to remain remote or maybe they come in once a month or twice a month but they're not going to buy an apartment in california if they're living in north carolina and working from there so then what do you start basing the salaries on? Um, are you are people going to start gravitating more towards those kinds of jobs where you have the flexibility of uh, you know living in a different location and working for a company based out of someplace that might be a little more expensive? Because that usually is the case. The places where the companies are, because the companies are there, stuff tends to get a little more expensive in those cities eating you know eating out is expensive um owning or renting an apartment is expensive and i think toronto for sure is one of those places i saw something where they said a third of all the properties or most properties that are available in toronto are owned by foreign investors not even canadian investors which (laughs) 
so uh, we're, we're sidetracking but pay i think it really depends on like what how you value your time you know your pay sure like you should be paid for your skill set but i think the other thing to see is the cost of living aside how much time are you being given how much time do you actually have to spend right doing that work to make x amount of dollars in, and i think that's becoming more of a flexible number today in terms of it's not a 40 hour work week anymore everywhere i've seen people like in countries they've actually reduced it by a day yeah. so instead of having a 5 day work week it's a 4 day work week are is the, i don't know this but do you know if the pay actually changes accordingly or are you getting paid the same amount for the fewer days for the one less day of work honestly i i have no idea i i don't think so some of the countries that have implemented it are european countries and i'd be very surprised if they let the companies reduce the pay structure i mean uh the employee benefits and the rights of uh that that the employ uh, employees have in europe are hmm. massive so i don't think their pay can be reduced it'd be illegal um coming to just pay structures i think pay disparity was always such an issue and now it's just going to you know morph into this ginormous ball of uh, uh just confusion because i agree to some extent about you that it's time that you put into a job but i think more than ever it shouldn't be time it should be just the talent if i take 5 minutes for a job it's not because the job was easy it's because i know my shit right um mm-hmm. and not just for me i mean i have done stuff say a year ago in this position which took me a couple of days to figure out as of last week i i had to do it and i think before our 9 am meeting i was done and i was like i asked my boss I'm like do you want to present this i'm like you're done but like, yeah i'm done it's like i knew what mm-hmm. to do i knew exactly how to switch things up what was needed i'm done so it didn't take me that much time does that mean that they're overpaying me i don't think so i think if they uh, you know switch me up with somebody else they would be wasting their money because it would take him like 2 weeks to figure that shit out right so i would say going forward pay somebody for their talent now i understand that not all companies can pay the big bucks right companies like apple facebook even they the salary sometimes start at anywhere between 150 to 200 to as much as 300 right now startup companies they can't pay you that so if you are nibbling at salaries like 80,000 60,000 70,000 90,000 then i guess it does become pertinent where you live in right because the 70,000 versus the 90,000 can have a big effect um i have friends who switch jobs and now they work for companies that operate out of the bay area but he's in toronto what's a fair salary they pay all of their employees in the bay area of 150 100 120 to 150 usd but he's in toronto He's not in the Bay Area, but Toronto is an expensive city. How are you gonna like? W- what's the basis? How do you justify someone's salary? 
or do you be like all right this is uh the range and now you ask the person is the salary okay with you and then he says yes or no you gamble it and that's it i don't have an answer yeah i don't either and it's one of those questions that gets asked a lot if you are switching a job is what are your expectations for a salary and you are potentially shooting yourself in the foot by answering you know too too eagerly because yeah. you really want the job and you're willing to take whatever is on the table or whatever you think they might say yes to yeah. but then you're you may end up undervaluing yourself or the skills that you bring like you said it's not one of those jobs where starting out the you know when we're all starting out fresh out of college we we are in that situation we want the experience it's the ultimate catch 22 companies want people with experience you don't have any experience but you're willing to take that entry level job right because you need it um but eventually you get to the point where you're like seven years ten years experience and you're not negotiating in those terms anymore in you know i think at that stage you're definitely you figured out what it is that you bring to the table and i think a good company values that specifically that you know we know that there's 10 people or not 10 people there's like maybe a thousand people who specifically work on data but also work in energy and specifically within the energy sector they work with wind turbines or solar right so there's a handful of people that are starting to specialize in that specific field they will know that that's the talent pool that they're picking from so they're maybe more willing to be accepting of certain demands including you know i'm going to work from um, north carolina but i know you guys are based out of toronto or london whatever um i'm going to continue to work from here but you know i'll make an appearance if you need me in the office i can make an appearance once every month or once twice a month whatever it is and i know people who get into that space where they are doing that it's just that that seems so when you asked how do you know what to value yourself at or what pay to value yourself at i think time ultimately when i said time before i was talking more in terms of how much time you put in um per week yeah. to your job and then you get paid accordingly eventually it becomes about how many years have you put into this specific skill that you've developed sure and how long have you worked that type of job and been in that environment because there is no substitute for that you can go out and try and find someone who just graduated and specializes in exactly what you specialize in but you've got years on that person that there's i mean they can try and learn what you learned but so much of it is contacts i know people who get hired into companies specifically because of the network that they bring with them because they have contacts within that network and then suddenly suppliers get you know pulled along to the next company because they're more willing to work with one individual specifically now is that person going to work 40 hours 60 hours 100 hours a week probably not but they're going to get paid as much because they did the work they did the legwork in the beginning to actually go and make that network so i think that's another thing to factor in is the time um but going back to the pay specifically when you moved from the US to Canada did i know you noticed that things were more expensive um in Toronto specifically which you know not to burst your bubble but you were really really lucky living in Louisiana and you didn't have to pay that much i remember coming to visit you and just yeah. being shocked at how little you were paying for eating out even just going out to a restaurant and enjoying a full 
big meal yeah. and um and the final check comes in and i'm like is that my share or am i paying for everyone it's like oh yeah that's actually the whole thing we're going to split that up in five i'm like what <laughs> it didn't make sense yeah. um but yeah so when you moved to canada the other thing you said you briefly mentioned was that the taxes were higher yeah. so your take home might have been lower but have you been able to see the benefit in that that way of doing it where the taxes are higher and you know maybe your take home is kind of lower i think you know at the stage that i am in my life it's hard to see the benefits because mm-hmm. um, most of it goes through to your health uh health, right. of course uh, insurance over here is not privatized in canada thank god uh, it's <laughs> it's actually not a business surprisingly unlike the US mm-hmm. uh, so the government does take care of it um, but you do pay higher taxes for that and you know what it's fair like I don't mind paying the higher taxes because I do see where it goes to so uh, right. you know, the running joke with my colleague where he was we were talking about education and you know, he has a kid who's about to go to college in a couple of years and I was like how expensive is it it's like oh well it's slightly expensive you know it, it could be anywhere between 4 to 8000 I'm like yeah, that's not bad that's cheap it's like yeah well you know it's highly subsidized because of uh, you know the taxes and stuff so he's like thank you you, you uh, basically your taxes you're paying for my daughter's education and I was like you know I don't mind that you know if it's going to his education and and eventually subsequently if I ever do uh, have a family and there will be a time when I will be using my medical benefits you know age is unstoppable um mm. I know I don't have to worry about it. I don't have to have a different piggy bank just for medical expenses and medical supplies which is not the case in the US. You could be making 300,000 a, a year and you could be in debt for a million dollars after a single surgery. Not to mention that you're not supported after that financially for the days and months that you recover from it. Right. Um, it becomes a huge financial strain. You can easily go into a huge ditch for the rest of your existence. uh you don't have to worry about that in canada but in canada of course canada is definitely i mean we i i keep repeating this every time but it, it definitely has some level of socialist vibes within its capitalistic image um there is an undertone of equality for all equity for all Uh, at least in some spheres of benefits not so much in the real estate market but but when it comes to health insurance education these things the government still takes care of so you don't have to worry about it as much you're not going to break your back if it happens have i experienced it yeah i've gone to a couple of medical tests i've um, i've been i've gotten sick i went down with covid in jan you know i had so i went to the doctor all of this no expenses nothing um that's i don't know how much that would have cost in uh, the us in the us i probably would have not even gone to the doctor to get diagnosis out of fear of the bill i have done that like i've broken stuff and i'm like you know what it'll be fine <laughs> don't worry about it that's that's crazy that you have to factor that in even when you come to when it comes to your health yeah. you know if there's a scare or if there's just a regular checkup that you're scared of what you're going to see on the other side because um i have friends who are european and they jokingly say that canada is north america for europeans because they feel more at home in many ways That's because funny. of the structure of you know yeah it's kind of and it's true like there's parts of uh, i know french canadian 
parts that are so similar to uh, what it's like back in Europe. I mean, you, I'm sure the hardcore French people would be like, not really. But um, <laughs> just the way th things are structured there, yeah. um, as far as the benefits and and education, it's so different from the U.S. So when they come here, they're they're really they're surprised. I have people who've joined the company and they're setting up their healthcare stuff because they've got families, so they have to set up their benefits account for their whole family, you know, their kids and all. And they're they're people from Eastern Europe or just other parts of Europe, and they're asking. Uh, I think one of their kids got hurt and they're like, what do I do? You know, in that situation, my, my daughter is, she had like a bad cut and I didn't, we couldn't manage it at home. What do I do? And he, I found out later that he ended up at the emergency room and sure enough, like that's, you know, it's going to be way more expensive because no one told him that emergency room, urgent care. Um, you know, actually setting up an appointment yeah. with your primary, those are all the, there's a sequence of events that need to happen before you end up in the emergency yeah. room. But he ended up there because he was concerned and, you know, he got the care he needed, but he also got a bill that, that he couldn't understand. He's like, how am I paying this much for what looks like there were no stitches required, what just looked like basic medical care that should have been much yeah. cheaper. And yeah, it's just built into the system here as far as being expensive, you know, just simple care. But yeah, I mean, so so that's the one thing I will say I don't whine about uh, when I see my, you know, bi-weekly paycheck just uh, not cut in half. But I mean, I'll give you a simple uh, example. Uh, I don't know how to say it. So, for example, I so we got a bonus, okay? And uh, the bonus wasn't exactly a bonus. It was... Uh, a recoup from last year so it was a check for a lump sum check for like 10k and i was like oh cool mm. <laughs> when i got it in hand it was like 5300 it's like oh great <laughs> the rest is just That's... it's not all taxes they're also deductions and stuff right but i mean it's uh, you know it's... you just don't see that money directly you see it over time when you go to get that checkup done you know medical benefits over the years yeah but i mean it, sometimes it's just depressing i'm like oh man like i'm still happy i got the 5k but I'm like dude I, the check was for like 10 the hell yeah and so yeah. yeah but but yeah uh it, <sighs> salaries i mean this is also something that we probably at some point will have to discuss and that is the whole um structure of uh you know, uh, side hustle, this whole uh, culture that was already gaining a lot of momentum. I feel like this inflation post the pandemic has just reignited it to a whole different level. I mean, look at you and I. I mean, you and I mm -hmm. do it because we enjoyed it. I mean, we started it during the pandemic. The podcast mm -hmm. is just an outlet for our creative sites because our jobs don't exactly mm -hmm. always let us. But Yeah, I think side hustles definitely have to be factored in more so today than ever before. And uh, I'm, I'd be surprised if that doesn't become more of a norm. It, I feel like that was just like not as common back in the day because, for a reason, because your company took care of you for the most part. You stayed with the company for, you know, many, many years. That's not the case today. I, I don't know too many people who stayed with a single company uh, for very long.
But uh, yeah, you know, that's a good conversation on pay. It's a good start because there's so much you can dive into. And I think the side hustles one definitely, you know, our journey specifically and how we're managing it would be something interesting to talk about. But uh, for now, yeah, you can find this episode and all the other ones that we recorded on our channel. And uh, you can find the long form audio on Spotify or Apple or wherever you listen to your podcasts. But until next time, we'll see you on another episode.